Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about the connection between mental health and heart health. And to talk about that more, we have a special guest with us today. Her name is Dr. Lissandra Lopez-Vayas. And we also have with us our registered nurse in the Carignan Center, Lisa Kropp. Hello, everyone. My name is Lisa Kropp. As Heather said, I am a new addition to the Carignan Center, and I am officially the nurse cardiac community educator. How about we start off with you maybe just sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm a psychologist here at St. Luke's Medical Center. Um, I've been with Aurora for a little over a year, did my internship over at Illinois Masonic, um, and I landed in here at St. Luke's back in the Milwaukee area, um, my hometown, which is amazing to offer services here within the hospital. Yay, that's wonderful. All right. Okay, so just to start us all off, how does mental health and mental health disorders related to heart disease? Yes, that's a great question. Um, I always like to set the frame of reference for when we talk about these things of what is mental health, what is heart health, because I think there's so many definitions out there. And so just to bring it into the conversation today is when we talk about mental health, it's really focusing on the psychological, emotional, and social well-being of an individual, so that state of well-being, um, which really focuses then more um, emphasizing on how we think, what we feel, how we act or behave. So that's really in the psychological realm as a psychologist where we focus, right? Um, And so when we do individual therapy, when we go in and do consults within the hospital, things like that, that's what we're really focusing on as we're then interrelated with a medical team who focuses more on the biological aspects. Um, So then heart health, in my understanding when I talk about it, when I think about it with patients, is trying to help you understand what are the risks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How do we make healthy or good choices that are are good for you? Taking steps to reduce chances for developing certain conditions um, that you may be predisposed to or heart health related, right? Um, So really helping patients understand those pieces. Um, So we'll often review the charts and help take a little bit of understanding of the biological, what's going on, but then refer them back to the doctors and the nurses and dietitians dietitians and all those specialties of we're not the experts, I'm not the experts and an expert in that area, but I can help you understand how this all comes together, right, um, in yeah. a broader sense. So there's really kind of a team approach there. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. I don't think we can get anywhere without that multidisciplinary, all those people together, because um, it's a big thing. So when you're looking at, like, a patient situation, mm-hmm. are you looking at, like, their acute stressors of their illness in the hospital, or are you looking, like, overall to perhaps any like chronic mental health type stressors they have. Right, that's correct. So I think we have to step back and say, do they have a already existing mental health disorder that has been diagnosed? Is there an onset that's been triggered by the stressors that are currently happening? You mentioned that acute piece. Has it just happened, right? And what does that mean for them being here in the hospital if they're admitted in the ER if they were just discharged from the hospital? Like, I think all those things take into effect, right? Um, it may, they may meet criteria for a disorder, and they may not. But thinking about those stressors then is, mm-hmm. is one of the biggest pieces is what is happening right here, right now? What's going to happen when you leave? What are factors that might have you come back? Right, I think it's taking that well-rounded approach mm-hmm. of how is how are those thoughts, those feelings, those behaviors going to interfere with your life moving forward, not just right here, right now, but 
it all depends on where they are in the hospital too, right? Mm-hmm. If we're in the ICU, if we're trying to get specific goals for them to move forward, to move to a different floor, to discharge, it is very acute in, in the moment type of things. Um, and then eventually helping them with things outside of here as well, preparing them to, to leave and, and do better, um, hopefully afterward. All right, how about next we talk about just what different mental health disorders you know, are related to heart disease and maybe a little bit why as well. Sure. I took a step to look at not just what I know, but also through the CDC, through the American Heart Association. Um, And the research out there shows most commonly are the broader cases of disorders that are higher risk for onset or more commonly that occur along with um, heart-related conditions um, are mood or depressive disorders. Um, anxiety disorders, trauma and stressor-related disorders like PTSD. Um, those are often brought on by like this chronic stress that we're going to see. Obviously, you're under a lot of stress with these conditions, um, physically, emotionally, mentally, right? Um, and so there's a lot of categories underneath those disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't typically in the research break it down very much into those um, to those more specific disorders, but I think most commonly depression and anxiety, and then depending on what happened, did you have a stroke? What happened during that time, after that time, we can then relate the trauma that's associated with it. Um, So some people will also be diagnosed with that PTSD afterward, depending on how severe and traumatic their experience was. Okay, okay, very interesting. Can we talk about the why a little bit? Like, why are they affecting the heart? One of the biggest things that I've come to see in the research is related to this chronic stress. So break it down into acute or chronic stressors. So right, acute meaning in the moment. They may be more short-term per se, right? A couple of days, hours, weeks. They can be positive things or they can be negative things, right? Or, or uncomfortable things. So when you think about moving, getting married, having a child, those can often be good stressors, right? We yeah. want those things to happen yeah. to us, but how does it interact with our, our body, right? Skipping over to the chronic ones, those are more long-term. We're looking at months, years of being in these stressors, right? So um, just thinking about not ha- instability in living situations, right? Being kicked out, having financial stressors, like those can be very long-term things that you're exposed to. At the end of the day, I think a lot of the things that come down to it is when we're exposed to stress, we turn on the fight or flight system in our body. That's an automatic thing in our body yeah. that is created for survival purposes. Right. Right. And so that's in our autonomic nervous system, firing up everything, but, yeah. and it's telling it, it. So it sends out this piece of we need to get into action. Right. So the blood's going to different places. You're trying to get into action. You're slowing down your digestion. Those things that you don't need. Your heart rate's going up. Moment, your blood pressure's your going, going up. up. <laughs> and if you're constantly in that state, that heart is up. And running on on full, you know, six cylinders um, at all times. So yeah. It doesn't need to be, right? And yeah. what does that mean? At some point, we deplete our resources. We can't do it anymore. The body just physically cannot do it anymore. Um, but then once it gets its resources back again, it turns back on again. And that fight or flight system is back on. And we're again, acu- you know, acutely trying to be in the survival. Right. Mode. Yeah. So it's that really that chronic stress that yes. we're really more worried about. Because right, right? you're up and down. You're up and down. Yeah. And it's affecting our insides. Like it yeah. does lead to like calcium buildup in arteries. It can lead to metabolic disorders. It can lead to heart right. disease. You know. Inflammation. So inflammation yeah. is one of the biggest things that's been researched as well. 
that I've looked into and how that affects the and that's so, so that's all part of the social determinants of health that people yes, are living in. And so that is where a lot of the chronic stress comes from. So that is a great point that you made, the acute stress versus the chronic, because I don't think people, when they say I'm stressed out, they, it might be an acute thing, but really there could be so much more going on behind the scenes with how they're living, and they don't necessarily have a mental health disorder. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think people out there need to know that it's not just a mental health disorder that can affect your heart health. It can be these situations, the stress that you're living with continually. That chronic stress. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, Lisa. Yes, yeah. yes, 100%. Because um, when we tear everything down from the stressors, when those go away, then we see what's left over. It may be that disorder, it may not. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But the fact is, we have to recognize that we have those stressors and anyone can be affected by this. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And at varying point. degrees, too, because everyone, everyone's unique. Yeah, and so it's affecting our insides, but it also affects our behavior, too, right? Yeah, so it's when we treat a patient, it's not just the patient. Because mm-hmm. obviously if we're looking at someone in the ICU or whatever that is, if they're to an extent where they need other individuals to, to help them, well, who are those other individuals? And what does that mean for your life, right? So now let's break it down into how are you going to live day by day? What are, what's being impacted with finances and that economic stress, right? Do you have a social support system? Mm. And mm-hmm. what we do to that individual, the patient, we also do to the family in different ways, but it could be just as stressful as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we tend to forget that. We just focus and hone in on the patient, but the patient needs a lot of help. They can't do a lot of these things on their own. Yeah, right, right. right. And some of these things seem obvious, right? Like... If you're smoking, you need to quit smoking. If you're not eating very healthy, you just need to start eating healthier. If you're not exercising, you need to get you to do that. But easier said than done, right? So that's where you come in. (laughs) Yeah, easier said than done for sure. I say that a lot to patients because we are so used to just moving forward, just trying to do whatever we can. We don't slow down and see, but what is the true problem? Where can I ask for help? How can I ask for that help? Right, and so we gotta break it down. I think half the time I do spend with patients is let's let's pull that down. That's you say that's a stressor, transportation. What does that mean though? Do you have a car, but it's in the shop or it's constantly in the shop? Do you not have a car? Was it repossessed? Do you use and share a car with another individual in your in your household or that's outside of your household? Right, that adds layers upon layers to this complexity of what stress is and what how stress is affecting you on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. So you're really. It sounds like you really get to the root of what's going on with people and then try to help them come up with you know, practical or what's going to work for them, right? Exactly. To put everything into action. Right. Because when your body's in that fight or flight system and that response, we tend, you know, the brain, it takes over the brain sometimes and it just does the things that it thinks it needs to do to survive. Sure. And that obviously sometimes slows down those logical pieces and those practical pieces and putting the puzzles together because it's so... So under so under that that space of survival is like we're just going to do what we can do, and so even though it seems like it's common sense and that person might be able to do that in other situations and other circumstances, 
your brain's not fully functioning at that capacity, that frontal lobe, that prefrontal cortex of trying to actually put the things together. And so when you sit them down, you tell them, okay, but look, so then this is, you know, A, B, and C, those are the steps you can take. Wow, I've done that before. Yes, you have the capacity to do that. It's just really hard right now. Yeah. Because there's all the other things coming in. And sometimes you just need to break it down because they're being asked so much in very broad terms of just go and do these things. Yeah. Because... We, we just don't have the time, sometimes the resources, the access to be able to break it down and take that time to do that with them. Yeah. And I would think that would be extremely overwhelming for some individuals because it might not just be the transportation, it might be the finances like you alluded to. It just, I don't think people really truly grasp that that really has an impact on their mental health mm-hmm. and their eventual like cardiac health and all kinds of other mm-hmm. pieces to your health. Right. Yeah, so. and I think that's a good point that you bring up as well is we can try to pull it apart into pieces, but recognizing that those pieces stack up. And so even if we're just talking about the finance, it's just talking about the transportation, but now you think about everything else that when you walk out that mm. door, we talked about those things. But what's everything else that's coming along with you? Yeah. Right? That you're, so now it's transportation. Now it's finances. Now it's children. Now it's spouse. Now it's family member that I'm caregiver for. All of that adds up. And so then you're kind of stuck in that, in that feeling of, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I can even implement these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, I would think that's where it's really helpful to talk to someone like you who's a psychologist and work through some of that and figure out, okay, this is what I need to do first, and then maybe I can work on this next. Sometimes mm-hmm. it helps to have somebody outside of your situation kind of helping you see where you need to go next. So right. I think that's good. Yeah. And I like to take the step as well, too, to say you can be that, you can come in to session with me and say, you know, I didn't do well okay, yeah. why didn't we do well? Right. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to say, well, why didn't you do that? Now we can't do this anymore. It's what happened. Let's let's break it down again. Let's figure it out. I don't think we get to do that a lot in our lives. It's yeah. either you do it, you failed, you weren't successful, we move on. Or people think they come in and they are afraid of the judgment or they just feel like, no, I got to say this is what they want me to say or... I want to have something positive to say, but it's like, no, come in and just be honest with me, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a safe space to say, you know, I've and I've had patients, and I encourage it to just come in and let's be honest. I mean, I didn't do that. Okay, why didn't we? Let's figure it out. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what else is coming up because then you're, everything that happened to you, you're human, everything that happened to you before yeah. this is contributing now as well. Yeah. So that can come up and spark other things. Yeah. yeah I wonder how people find out that people like you are available to help just work through all those chronic stressors. Like I I feel like people, to Heather's point, they think about the stigma and they're not thinking about their stressors as not necessarily something that is impacting their mental health even though it is. So I wonder how do they find you or how do they find people like you to help them? I do have to credit there's been this big wave of coming to mental health, um, which is amazing. But there's so many different ways. I think sometimes the easiest part is if you have insurance, um, because that's one of the biggest barriers sometimes, is if you do have insurance, it's easier to call and see who's in network with you. Right? Call your insurance company, ask them who's in network, they can refer over. 
Um, Advocate Aurora has such a large system. Uh, mm -hmm. We have not only individual psychologists and therapists um, in, in the hospital side, but also an outpatient. So calling the central scheduling number, or I think what's easier now is really going through a PCP or some provider mm -hmm. that you are with, your primary care physician, mm -hmm. or if you're seeing anyone who's in a specialty, whoever's currently on your treatment team, just let them know, I would like to speak with a psychologist mm -hmm. or a therapist. They can connect you with someone. I think that's the easiest way to kind of just get to it um, instead of having to make all the phone calls and all these Well, all these and they have some good recommendations for you, or they can put the referral in the system then, right? And right. then does somebody call them and say... Yes, so they might reach, depending on the provider, they might be able to reach out to someone they actually work with more often. So if they know someone, they can refer directly over or to one of the clinics and then we, you will get a call over as the patient um, from that clinic um, to check in to see, here's our next available appointment, here's the provider, can we schedule that for you? And so you do that first step and then they reach out to you. Okay. I worry about a lot of people that just walk into the Karen Yan Center that maybe have questions like that but aren't attached to our system or they don't have insurance. Do you have any like words of wisdom about finding services like if you don't have that umbrella of health insurance. Mm -hmm. And that's a good population you're bringing up too, is we were talking specifically about patients, but I think family is just mm -hmm. always encouraged to also receive services. Um, and I think there's some wonderful websites out there like NAMI, um, where you can go on and you can search online for providers across the nation. Um, as well as that Psychology Today also allows for you to search for providers in the area. Those websites can even break down what type of provider they are, right? What's their specialty? Do they use cognitive behavioral therapy, um, psychoanalysis, psychodynamic, well, those modalities of treatment? So you can learn a little bit more about the provider you're looking for too. It often give you information if it's an insurer, do they accept insurance, are they self-pay and at a sliding scale fee? Those kinds of things that make it easier access. Um, and there's, in the Milwaukee area, we have the larger providers like 16th Street Clinic, um, who offers, I know, a lot of services as well, um, UCC, those types of community health centers that um, I've been hearing have good ability to get people in and provide the services and at good rates if you don't have insurance as well. Thank How, yeah, thank you. That's nice to know all the different resources that are out there. So what about even just, you know, everyday people, even us, you know, you're even we healthcare workers. I think everybody's dealing with a lot of stress these days, right? There's a lot going on in the world. Um, do you have some good, like, starting points for how most of us can just um, practice healthy things day to day for positive mental health? Sure. Um, I mean, there's so many things. Um, it, it, there's these broad areas that I usually like to talk about with patients initially to figure out where you want to go. So those categories are activities and hobbies, mental activities, using your sensations, right, your five senses, um, relaxation and social support um, are kind of like along with self-care, like the big broad categories, we can definitely break those down into very, very detailed things. Um, but first and foremost, I think it's figuring out what it is that you want to do from kind of those bigger categories and then figuring out how and when I'm going to do those things. 
Um, so for example, like activities can be doing puzzles. I love doing puzzles. But then you figure out when am I, but when I'm going to do it and how I'm, am I going to do it, right? Is that a feasible option for me? Um, so encouraging you to, to do those things to figure out what do I have easy access to right now that I can build upon because the hardest step is starting. Yeah. Taking, oh, yeah. taking that time, right? So I always say if you feel like everything's too much and you can't do it, one to two minutes. All I ask for is one to two minutes. That can be a mindful moment of just sitting there and being present. That can be listening to some music for a minute or two, your favorite song. That can yeah. be finding a hobby or something. And then start building from there. It can be one to two minutes. You can even do a deep breathing, right? Deep breathing. Sometimes yes. at my desk, if I'm feeling like stressed or overwhelmed, I'm just going to sit and do some deep breathing for a couple mm-hmm. minutes because that immediately starts to bring down, I feel like, my stress anyway. It kind of slows everything down. Right, bringing your body into that piece. That's all you need, right? Yeah. You your body then at that point without something additional. Um, and you carry around your body with you all day long. So. so it sounds like you have, like, quite a few go-to things, like your puzzles that you might do. Or I don't know, maybe it's listening to music. Do you think it's helpful for other people? I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So do you usually recommend, like, they maybe even just create, like, their own mental health toolbox or give it a name or something like that? Like, what do you kind of, do you have some secrets in there? Like, what do you do with people? Yeah, I love that you said <laughs> toolbox because I, I like to work in that aspect of let's build the toolbox, which could start off with a list. It can be a physical toolbox as well. So I've done that before. We grab a, um, a shoebox and we start throwing things in there. Oh, really? Right, so that we come up with. Oh. Um, it could be a piece of paper with a pen because you can journal with that, right? You can go okay. to your box and pick it up. Um, you find something when you go out to the store and you just toss it in there, right? Um, I know they have, like, like for example, those poppets that are can be like found at the dollar store, and then you can pop that in there and you carry it around with you if you want to or just have easy access to it at home. Um, but, yes, a lot of people like that visual, that visual piece of when I'm in distress, I don't want to have to think about it, so I'm just going to go to my box and I'm going to take something out, right? So when you're feeling in a better space, you create that list of what are all those wonderful things that I can try, what have I tried before that I want to try again, what is something new that I would like to try, and then you can slowly build that box and put it together. Um, you can do a corner as well or a bowl, like anything that really brings your aspect to it where when I'm in distress, I just walk up to it and I, my brain can remind me, like, I need to do this versus trying to put it all together when I'm in distress because that can be very daunting as well. Yeah. Can you um, clarify for us the differences between what, like, the mainstream might feel self-care is versus self-care for your mental health? Because I think there is a lot of confusion surrounding that. For instance, some person might think that self-care is getting their nails done, whereas mental health self, self-care self is different. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, I think the way to break it down the easiest for me is self-care is your basic needs. So think about eating, sleeping, hydrating, right, um, physical activity, hygiene, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you break it down to that that place, a lot of people can then say, oh, okay, I understand what you're trying to say. So yeah, it doesn't have to be I'm going to get my nails done and I'm going to the spa or I'm (laughs) taking a weekend away to go hiking or whatever that is. It really can be, I haven't been drinking water today. I'm going to go and take a present moment and just drink my water and make sure that I'm doing okay. 
Um, it could be, I'm going to disconnect from that phone because we're all, I think, maybe guilty of it if we're on our phone looking at things um, or we've been on so many phone calls with providers or whatever that might be is, I'm just going to remind myself about me. What do I need right now? Aside from everything else, it's okay to take a minute, two minutes, five minutes to myself um, because when you pull all those other things together, we feel like we need to be so much for so many other people as well. Um, so I always think of self-care as just, let me ask myself, did I sleep well today? Did I drink anything? Did I eat? If I didn't, let's go and do something like that. Let me get a snack. Let me just be present for myself here, make sure I'm doing okay. Yeah, I love how you brought that back to just like meeting the basic needs <laughs> for yourself. That's cool. Very nice. Um, well, any last tips you want to share with our listeners at all that has to do with mental health and heart disease? Talk about it. Ask about it. I think that's one of our biggest flaws as humans is we feel like we can't ask those questions. Um, so I advocate for ask as many people as you can. Is can, can I talk to someone? Can I talk to you about this? Who do I talk to about that? How can I get connected? As humans, we seek that connection, right? And yeah. so play on it and play off of it and ask those questions. I have interacted with so many individuals within our system they will take the moment to be there with you. The nurses, the doctors, the front desk staff, whoever it is, is they will take that moment for you. And you just have to ask that question. But if you don't ask, no one knows. And we can't help if, if you don't say anything about it, right? And that can be yeah. difficult. It can be so hard to recognize I need to ask for that help. Mm-hmm. But it can work a lot of ways in positive ways for you. So just take that one step and ask the question. I think that is an important point because I think we're beginning the journey to normalize mental health and what that means for people, as well as the whole self-care topic about that is okay for you to take that time because if you don't, your mental health is at risk. Right. So. And if it helps anything is, because I've heard this before as as a psychologist myself, oh, well, you don't need that. It's like, no, I do it too. We all need it. <laughs> we all need it. We're all, it yeah. doesn't matter, you know, what degree what you have, what title you have, what position you have, where in your life you are. At the end of the day, at the bottom, we're human. We need it. And we sometimes don't have access to it, so try to ask for it. Um, or you being the person to ask someone else, hey, how are you doing today? It could just be as easy as that, of opening that, that question up and asking, and then people feel more comfortable to say something. I think that's part of that, that piece of pulling up mental health is we want to add it into the conversation more often. Um, and you might not always get a big conversation out of it, but at least you're planting the seeds, right? Yeah. Of you can come to this person, that person's a safe person, a safe place to go to, and they can move forward from there. Wonderful. Well, those those were great last words, I think, to end on right there. <laughs> well, a big thank you to Dr. Lissandra Lopez-Vayas for speaking with us today and talking about this very important topic about the connection between mental health and heart health. So thank you again. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you to our wonderful listeners. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts on the Queen of Hearts podcast, and you can also visit our YouTube channel for other heart-healthy content.